Put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick, down the ground, into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Tuesday, the 13th of June, 2023, you're back for another episode of the Tiger Town Podcast. I'm Zach, he's Toby. How are you, mate, tonight? Oh, mate, not bad, not bad. Um, resigned to the fact that we might get a clean sweep of the origin with the team that Freddie named, but yeah, I'm all right. Myself. We might get a clean sweep or copper clean sweep? Copper clean, clean sweep. That's hard to say, isn't it? Copper. A clean, clean sweep from yeah. Queensland. You got oh, Queensland oh. on the back end. No, they. You're not a big. You're not a big fan of what's who, what's and who's and how's has been picked. Nope. Nope. I think they are the wrong calls. Uh, yeah, right. but we, whenever, whenever uh, as Fittler made a good call, I don't know. We might jump into that a little bit later, maybe, and you can talk about what you're thinking in that regard, um, mate. We. How are you? First and foremost, you doing well? Yeah. Yeah. Just just said I was. <clears throat> What the hell, man? Oh, Sorry, just double, <laughs> doubling down. <laughs> what about yourself? Uh, I was just sort of trying to prompt you to ask me back, but yeah, no worries. Happy days, mate. Yeah, yeah whatever. All good. Yeah, whatever. All good. Yeah, mate, I'm going well. Thank you very much. Um, just uh, uh, getting to the end of a busy period with work and looking forward to, um, yeah, a couple of couple of functions and weekends away and bits and pieces in the next few months, which is going to be thoroughly enjoyable. We're marching down or counting down towards um, a big arrival of our second child in, in our household. So um, there's not a whole lot of nesting going on just yet, but give me another couple of weeks and I might start up, I think. I was about to say, I'm surprised you haven't. Yeah, well, I do it my own way, yeah. as we all tend to, us blokes. So um, just trying to get the house in order. I'm on a bit of a ticking time bomb with that in that regard. But as you know, owning your own home, um, nothing's ever finished. I don't know. I built my own home, not personally, but usually it's finished because we. You actually didn't need to um, clarify that. Maybe for the listeners, not for me though. I, I know that you wouldn't have built your own home. So, thanks for the clarification. But I knew that well, before you said it. So people, people, people that watch the pod could actually look at me with a beard and bald head and actually think I'm pretty decent with a power tool. I'm not. No, I can confirm. Yeah, um, <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was on the TAFE exam. Do you have beard check? Yeah, bald head. Check here's your certificate for in construction. Well, it's that. actually part of the uh, sign up process. They won't actually let you sign up unless you have those requirements. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Is that new? No, no. It's been around for a few generations, but it's um. It's a bit unfortunate bad. for the women out there that want to be chippies, isn't it? A bit unfortunate for the men that actually, you know, date those women that actually pass. Oh, too far. That's a good point. Anyway, true Tiger Town. Right. Podcast style. We're off on a again. Tangent. Let's pull it all back, mate. Uh, we played the Titans last week on Thursday. Um, and in Exhibit B, <clears throat> in two weeks on how to ruin an entire weekend, um, we went down to them pretty easily, to be honest. Uh, what was the final score in there? Was it 30 to 12, 36 to 12? Something like that. I'm not even Something like those sorts of lines. Yeah, I didn't particularly, and probably no surprises to our listeners either, commit the scoreline to memory. No, no, it was unfortunate to uh, oh, to watch that game after so much promise, but 
you know, it had to start, you know, we couldn't keep going up. We were hoping we couldn't keep, we could keep going up, but we are the Tigers and that just doesn't happen. So. What do you, uh, what was one of his main takeaways from the game? Obviously a bit to unpack and a bit to talk about, but what did you, um, in terms of the side itself, what'd you make, what'd you make of it? Um, I think that it, the thing from the, uh, the side itself is how influential Appy is. Um, you know, he went off in the 17th minute, I think. And we had no direction, none. Like we were, we were nested in there 20 again for a fair bit. And uh, yeah, just drop ball, drop ball, drop ball. No, no charge. It was very frustrating to watch. It was very surprised we weren't down by more by half time, but you know, I was thinking to myself, this is the Titans and they can falter at half, uh, at half time and come back in and not really perform or even let a 26 nil lead go. So I was like, this could still be ours. And then no, it didn't come out and just didn't play. We called it last week. Um, the impact that AJ Brimson had on that side coming back and frustrating. He always just looks like an absolute world beater when he plays us for some reason. Um, sticking yeah. his tongue out and running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Um, yeah, everything he touched turned to gold. Yeah, I just don't. There's players like that that just seem to turn it on when they play us, and I don't mm. know why. They could be having the worst few games. They could be coming back from injury, and before they were injured, weren't really having that much of an effect. And then, yeah. They just seem to see our jersey and they're like a bull with red. They just charge and they go through it. So Mark Mark Yasny was one that um stood out for me in that regard. I mean, it's not like he was he was bottom dollar, he's Australian Australian and New South Wales centre. But um even at times when he was out of form, he'd come in and just absolutely run rings around us, regardless oh. of, of how he was playing. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of anyone else on the top of my head, but I know there's so many more. Like we know that Turbo generally turns it on when he plays against us, but he's a, couldn't have. Um, sorry, you go. I just say, but he's a world class player anyway. So, but the game couldn't have really played out any different to the Canberra game in many ways because um, the Canberra game, in the way that that sort of um, well played out, as, as the term I used a second ago, uh, was more so very luck based, I think, um, and or unlucky as the case may be, and we had issues with the refs that were well-documented and um, and came came back at them, and, and it was a very tight contest in the end. I, for me, in that Titans match, even when Appy was on the field, we were just flat. They just looked like complacency. They hadn't showed up. Um, you know, they've had a, a really good run of six or seven weeks, but they've been up for just about every game, certainly been in every game. And maybe it was a case that, that eventually just took its toll, and See, I didn't see them necessarily look like they dropped their bundle the moment Appy went off. Um, I didn't think from the get-go. I thought they missed the jump straight away. And before we knew it, the Titans were pinned down on our end, peppering our line and got that early try. And, yeah, look, we did um, we did fight back with that try to um, Big Clemmer, who I predicted a prop would get over. I did eventually parlay that into CFAR, but I did say a prop would go over, so I was pretty tough with that myself, but... Yeah, and then we just, I just don't think we could recover. We had a mountain of possession against us really early and a lot of it from our own doing, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's the that was the frustrating thing of 
how often, and that's the thing, like, unlike the Raiders game, I can't blame the ref for this one. I actually think Todd Smith did a good job. Like, I think he had one. Oh, let's not take him to carry it away, mate. Come on, he's a referee after all. Can't give him a free pass. He did have one. They were, they were off. I will say that they were offside every single tackle of the entire game. Yeah, I'd see you pay a lot more attention to that stuff than I do. Yeah. So, but. It was just, yeah, it was really, really frustrating to watch because we know what we can do and we've seen what we can do over the last six, seven, eight weeks. We haven't always got the W, but we've always been in the game and we've always seemed to bend the line, push through the line, and we've finally been getting you know, that support play, X, Y, Z, whatever we've been hoping to happen has happened. But yeah, I, I thought we started slow. I didn't think we were disjointed at all really uh at the start i just noticed that as soon as appy went off you know jakey did a admirable job you know he is a good hooker but he is no appy and we've clearly been um building our game around appy and it's it was starting to come it was starting to come to fruition but yeah when he went off the the service wasn't great from jake compared to appy uh, Appy always has really good service, really gets those fronties over the advantage line. It just it wasn't really the same momentum from Jakey. Um, and yeah, it's just, oh, it was just frustrating. But then you add Tom Talau into the bloody mix and everything just goes to shit. Yeah. Um, I actually, I agree with you. Like Jake Simkin is not happy, obviously. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that he did a pretty reasonable job in general. I actually think the Titans did um, pluck the page from the Canberra playbook the week before. Although they weren't as bad in the ruck, they weren't quite as sloppy. But they, I think they got pinned for four, six agains and maybe a penalty or two around the ruck. Mm. So they obviously watched that game last week and they that's what they did. And, and it's unsettling us. Um, so... That's two weeks in a row that two teams have gotten away, say gotten away with. You know, they are running the risk of those six agains and that sort of stuff as well, but it's stifling the hell out of us. And they either need to find a way to overcome that because teams are watching that. That's a blueprint. That's yeah. not like we're a gigantic threat um, at the to the premiership at the moment, but that was in many ways off, off the um, the back of those quick play the balls and then happy out of that and us getting over the advantage line while we were dominating so much territory um, for the last month and a half and and competing with these top sides and getting some decent wins is off the back of um, quick ruck speed. And as we noticed in Canberra, which was diabolical, you know, the fact that they had only one Sid bin at the end of that game, they really had to get away with so much for so long. Uh, I'm pretty surprised that Todd Smith allowed that much to go on again on the weekend. Um, so we need to adapt if the refs aren't going to call it and, and, and hammer it, then we need to be better. Um, or we need to find a way to adapt and overcome that because if that's all it takes a handful of six agains with an, with an opposition team backing their defense in that situation to nullify our threats, then that kind of depressingly puts us back to square one. Yeah, no, that is very true. But yeah, that's, excuse me. That, that was... So, yeah, bloody Anderson and all the refs and all of that stuff. And then Volandis jumps in and says that the whole changes, all the rule changes are to speed up the play. This is supposed to 
uh, in you know, uh, increase the the amount of teams, uh, the impact that teams have in attack, rah rah rah. But yet they don't do anything about that shit. Very 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 frustrating. Now I can't say I've looked too closely at other games as closely as I do the Tigers. I don't think I ever do, but. I can't see a lot of other teams getting as way with that much when they play other teams other than us, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So, I don't know. Again. Well, it's, 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 it's clearly, it's clearly a tactic. <clears throat> you know, Ricky, as we said against Canberra, Ricky Stewart basically admitted as much and it was blatant, blatant to see. And then you could see on the weekend, it was the same problem. Um, so the boys need to be empowered, I guess, to to really challenge the ref. And Johnny Bateman is captain this week, which I think is a, is an awesome choice. But the problem is, can the ref is the ref going to be able to understand him? So if Melbourne does the same thing. <laughs> you got to get in the ref's ear. You got to be blowing up deluxe constantly and making a big scene out of it, because otherwise you're not going to bring it to their attention. And you know we're talking about like a quarter of a second, half a second here. That's all it takes in play the ball speed to make a monumental difference. Like the difference between. 0.325 of a, of a play the ball over a game, over an, an average play the ball, sorry, over a game, and 0.75 is is a, a massive amount. Mm. A half second is a huge amount, and it doesn't sound like it's much, but it's tremendous. And, um, you know, when those things are stifling us and affecting us so much as we continue to try to build and grow this squad over time, um, it's something that the players on the field need to be able to bring to the referee's attention in a way, obviously that doesn't inhibit, you know, the, um, the rapport between the ref and the players, but um, they got to, you know, throwing your arms up, you know, and then walk, turning around and walking away is not obviously doing enough. They got to start blowing up respectfully. Now, whatever that looks like, I don't know if the James Graham bent finger, whatever the, the case <laughs> may be, but they need, they need to start collectively doing that. Now you can bet your bottom dollar that if these last two games, um, well, I guess the, the Campbelltown one was at home and they were giving it to them. So I guess that sort of counts my point, but I was going to say, if we were at a, at a meaty like art oval, you could bet your bottom dollar, the crowd would do that for us, but we're not. So um, yeah, they, they've got to find a way around it um, because that forward pack is our strength. And as much as Appy's out now for six weeks or so, um, Obviously, the ruck speed and the dynamicism, dynamicism around the ruck is our strength as well. We've been talking about it all year, and we've just started to figure out how to play that, and teams immediately have started to illegally take away our strengths from us. So don't just, again, don't just roll over and let them do it. Fight in the tackle a little bit more. Blow up at the ref in the right ways. You know, bring this stuff to their attention. Yeah, I'll tell you who is extremely good at doing that is... DCE, very, very good at doing that. Um, obviously, no one was as good as Cameron Smith, but in you know, currently, DCE is very, very good at doing that. He gets in the refs here yeah. a lot. And I actually think that um, a lot of the attacking woes against Canberra and against the Titans on the weekend were attributable to that fact. Obviously, when Appy goes, that, that knocks us back a peg and... Then Brooks going again, same thing. But the game was basically gone at that point. Um, but we went from, you know, that free-flowing footy against the Cowboys to, again, you know, struggling in attack. And I think it was off the back of that, off the back of that tactic. You know I mean, how can it not be? Hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, as 
somebody that never misses a Tigers game, it's becoming more and more adamant or more and more apparent that um, we are definitely seen as somebody who shouldn't be achieving by what you said last week, that unconscious bias. And I, like I said, I still think Todd Smith did well. He did a, a lot better job than uh, can't even remember who the Muppet was. Maybe it was Cummings. Was it uh, Cummings? Yeah. I think it was Cummings against Raiders. Yeah. Sutton or Sutton? Sutton. It was Sutton. Yeah, the dickhead. Yeah, Sutton. Yeah, the pure dickhead of all the dickheads. Um, but yeah, it's just it just feels like once. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to put it into words, if I'm being honest. It's, you know, I can say what I want, but I'll come out sounding like a conspiracy theorist. But, like, again, because I think I did the same thing last week. <laughs> so I just, I'll just keep, you know, rehashing the same old shit. But yeah, it's sometimes as a Tigers fan, and I'm sure a lot of other people can agree, uh, all the, all the people out there that, you know, the millions of listeners that listen to this podcast, um, can agree with me. It's just why bother sometimes. You can bet your bottom dollar that if this stuff was happening against, if if other teams, opposition teams had identified that this was how you shut down South or Penrith or the Roosters at the height of their powers and they were lying all over, all over them, that it wouldn't last long. You could guarantee that mm. with one of those top teams because either the coaches or the administration or the players themselves would make sure that everybody in the referees camp knew that this is not going to continue happening because it's a legal play. You know, it's, 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 it's a legal play. And um, in some ways, if you think about it, the Tigers have uncovered a strength that allowed them to start playing football and becoming a threat to decent teams. And we saw that. Um, and so teams have actually had to start strategizing against us, which to be, to be, uh, blunt in the last probably three to five years at least teams probably haven't needed a tremendous game plan that they had to execute perfectly to overcome us mm. we sort of would just hang in there long enough and they'll just beat themselves which i'd i'd say you probably won't argue with no um, not at all so so they've had to actually come up with a a game plan around pushing the envelope of the rules and i guess you know that's within the game what do they call that gamesmanship one of the worst um one of the worst words or titles describing something in the, in the in in the world. I hate that term, but um, yeah, the, the fact that the other teams have had to resort to bending the rules as best they can uh, in order to get the better of us in around that ruck and eff- effectively stifling our creativity, um, sort of a backhanded compliment. But it just can't be allowed to continue. You know, no, it, exactly. it can't and. You know, those top teams wouldn't wouldn't settle for it. The coaches would be all over it. Politis would be ringing up Valandi saying, you figure this out or whatever the case may be. So, you know, start swinging for the fences. Um, I'm, I'm all for it if they've got, if other opposition teams have got game plans that are within the rules and they're, they're getting the better of us because of that, more power to you. That's what the best coaches do. But if you're just sitting there trying to bend the rules by slowing down the ruck every single play um, and just being willing to cop penalty after penalty as a result of it, or six again after six again, and then start hammering those teams that are doing it in that manner. You know, it's not it's not creative in, in many ways. It's just we're going to fly close to the sun and, and hope that it stifles the other team enough that we can get a win. And, and the two teams have gotten away with it in many ways. 
But as far as I'm concerned, and, and without bringing up the Canberra game too much again, one sin bin was just outrageous. And we did speak about that last week. Like the amount that that was happening, they should have had three or four blokes go to the bin. So that's getting away with it. Not only did they get away with the game, but they got away with that. And, you know, to the Titans' credit on the weekend, we were average and we were flat and the mistakes were were really bad. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you want to talk level playing field, we're not slowing down other other teams' rucks and, and the stats speak for themselves. Well, maybe we should. Maybe we should go down to everyone else's level. See what happens. I guarantee you as soon as that does happen, we'll get pinged. We'll get yeah, 100%. 100%. And it, it might be one part, as you said, unconscious bias. It might be in another part of the fact that we won't – we'll try to keep the same game plan. We just won't quite execute it as well or as cheekily as other teams, and we'll get hammered for it. Just the story of the club. Yeah. Yeah, it's just <laughs> – I can't, I, I can't rehash it again. It's just, I feel like, you know, we talk about, it's, it's a different theme than last year. Last year it was continuous, oh my God, we've got nothing. This is annoying. This is crap. This is rah, rah, This year it just feels like we're building towards something, but we're not being allowed to, if that makes sense. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're building. I feel you. I know what you're saying. I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. But um, no, definitely. Yeah. It's like teams have had to go outside the rules in order to shut us down just as we're starting to, to find our feet. And that's really frustrating. And yeah. that doesn't feel fair. You know, it's it's the game. It's the sport, I guess. But, you know, let's call a spade a spade, though. We'd be doing our integrity a disservice if all we talk about in that game against the Titans was um, how the ruck was illegally slowed down and not refereed poorly. We were bad. We were bad, you know, team, almost yeah. almost unanimously across the park. We were bad on the weekend. Yeah, I'm just going to go through a couple of stats here now, a couple of team stats, right? So we had 48 percent of possession, which we ended up getting a bit of possession back in that second half. Completion rate was 70 percent. Now that doesn't sound disgusting, excuse me, but it is. Yeah, it represents 28 out of 40. 70 percent is really bad for a team who completed last week. At ninety-three percent, was that last week? I think it was last it week. Was when their completion rates have been up there. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, if I go down to where we were, where we were bad, or where we we it, it sort of stood out, I guess a little bit. The obvious one uh, is going to be uh, the errors. So we conceded. Why is that hiding from me? Where are the errors? Fourteen errors. Yeah, Tommy Tilly, I had four. What that doesn't sure speak that, to sure with Tommy Talia, yeah, he, he four. He that did. doesn't that doesn't include defensive errors. So he had two blatant defensive errors that both led to tries. Um, which we might we might get into talking about him in a little bit. It's not anything that will surprise anybody. The other things that got me, not not finding touch again from a oh. penalty. Four short kickoffs, of which one was contested, out of the four. Were they, we knock on? Could you consider them short kickoffs if they make if they go to the twenty? Well, to me, the twenty is is achievable. Like the hang time on one of those things is three or four seconds. If you can't get there in three or four seconds when you're off a running start, I don't know what you're doing. They were jogging. They weren't competing for it, and it's the same thing we've been saying for a little while that has been that hasn't hasn't kicked on with the club showing these little improvement areas. Is the contesting footballs, the contesting high bombs, contesting kicks. 
That includes short drop short dropouts. Uh, like you forgive one or two if you don't execute right, and you punch it to the twenty five or thirty. Fair enough, it's gone too far. You didn't you didn't nail it. Um, but it was those things like those don't count as errors either. And if you add those in, there's another five because the execution on them was average. Um, so that's that's pushing up towards twenty errors, and then we can start talking about key defensive errors which don't count as errors because they're not handling errors, um, which can push us up further again and. Yeah, we were just we were bad. We were just bad. The boys were flat. The handling errors were average. The intensity wasn't there. They got rattled by the line speed of the Gold Coast, and they happened to show up. And as happens in the NRL, if you don't show up and you're, you're not on your rolled. game, you're going to get rolled. Doesn't matter who it is. Titans yeah. are a mid-table team. So, and you know we're a bottom-table team. You know oh, we we went into that as pretty evenly matched, but. Mm. Uh, such a shit franchise. I just hate losing to them. Uh, but they're two from two against yeah. us. Yeah. I think they're four four from the last four against us too, which is annoying. Yeah, there's more than that. There's more than that too. It's like 17 from 26 or something in history. And How the fuck do they have our yeah. numbers so bad? Oh, I don't, know. I don't know. Every club's got that. It's like us surprisingly with the Broncos. We go surprisingly well against the Broncos. We have... I, like I reckon the last 15 years we have, but I remember prior to that, I hated playing the Broncos because we never beat them ever. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's funny um, how those things, those things uh, come and go with sides, mm. bogey sides. But I guess it's time to talk about the big elephant in the room. And by big elephant, I mean the dickhead with the mullet, uh, Tino and mm. the apparent no raising of the elbow, which is, I don't know what they were watching, but, I definitely saw raising of the arm, raising of the elbow. Don't know about you. All right, Tigers, Tigers bias aside, tell me your thoughts. We've heard, we've heard it from all and sundry in the last week, but what do you think? Tigers bias. It's very hard to be tigers by put tigers tigers bias aside with that. But if you no, have an did, actual, yeah. if you if like, I'd love to be able to just put a clip right here and show you what it was like, and or maybe that'll maybe that'll eventually happen in future years of the podcast when I'm better with the computer, but. If you watch that actual run-up, how they can say that his arm never left his... The ball-carrying arm never left his side is a blatant lie because he literally does that. Literally does that. And he didn't... Like, it wasn't like he had eyes for Appy. Have a look at where his head is. Like, everything that they said for the reason that he didn't get charged contradicted exactly what happened like yeah. and it's not like oh you know the, the the video evidence doesn't exactly uh support this you know there's not a lot of camera angles not this there's literally the vision that they're showing on every single news outlet of it shows exactly what i just said and it's i yeah like it's a contact sport don't get me wrong it's a contact sport you know shit happens it's gonna you know if you know Abby put his head in the wrong position, which sometimes I've seen him do, and I'm worried he's going to knock himself out. Um, yeah, f- fair enough. You know, shit tackle, shit attempted a tackle, bad positioning, whatever. But to say that that had no impact, like that, that was not, there was probably, there probably was a bit of malice in there. It's football. You run with aggression. It happens. Um, but to say that, 
it wasn't purpose contact, purposeful contact to the head is absolute stupidity. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, you know, they, they're working really, really, really hard at uh, making sure that if you uh, tickle somebody's ear in a tackle and you're a defender, you get penalized. Why shouldn't the same onus be on the uh, attacking side? I don't get it. But Look, there's a few areas that we could talk about with it, but the one, the one example I want to mention is David Clemmer. So when Clemmer runs the ball, he has both arms across his chest and pins the ball to his chest. If if you look at like a running back in the NFL, many of them will carry horizontal forearm and yeah. they'll tuck in. We tend to go cross forearm. So we'll go that cross pattern. Clemmer runs every single run where he braces and he uses that ridiculous term, bumper bars, whatever it is, but he stays pinned to his chest. He doesn't expose his rib cage at all. Now you can go into contact and if you watch, you watch somebody um, in the Tigers of all, of all players, of all clubs who, who goes into contact and then will expressly uh, drive the arms upwards once contact has been made. So that's that push the player away. It's staff for Toa. So if he's not doing a single arm fen to push people away, you watch him, he'll do a double arm. It's almost like a double arm fen where once contact is made, you're thrusting the person away from you. The difference with that is if Appy had a run flat out into Tino and Tino was running, you could maybe understand that there was enough force in the forearm to break his jaw. But I can't run at you hard enough with my arms pinned with, without my arm moving towards you, if you're playing, with enough force to break a jaw. I simply can't. I'm not Usain Bolt. Tino stops and jinks and then goes into the defender. He's probably moving at maybe 10 or 11 kilometres an hour. A forearm cannot break a jaw at 10 or 11 kilometres an hour. In order to get that extra force to break his jaw, he needs to have lifted the elbow to create greater velocity. Because if he's moving at 10 or 11 k's an hour and then lifts his elbow in front, the elbow relative to his body is moving at 20, 25, 30, or whatever it might be. It was enough to break his jaw in four places. So if his arm was truly pinned, there was not enough force traveling at that rate to break his jaw. He's hit forearm. He didn't hit point of elbow. There's a bit of cushioning on every single forearm. You get what I'm saying? Oh, I'm doing it. Yeah. And if, and I challenge every single person, and no one, it's probably, you know, in some ways it's gone. But I challenge every single person, if they can be bothered, to pull up a split screen of the Reed Marnie one and the Apposite Coruscant one, and you tell me that those two, if they're not exactly the same, the Appy one was worse. They talk about the fact he didn't lift his elbow, and they're right. It was not a horizontal forearm, elbow up at 90 degrees to the body. It wasn't that. That's a send-off every day of the week. It was not that. But what it was, was he runs pinned in and, and Tino is a good, I want to say, like three to four feet away from Appy when the elbow starts to come up. He doesn't make contact like Stafford Toa first and then push the defender off him. He raises it away from the check. So he comes in and he braces on his ribcage. But prior to contact, he already starts to lift. And he starts to lift. He doesn't lift the elbow up to his shoulder height at all. The elbow only comes about three or four inches away from his chest. But so does the forearm and the ball-carrying arm. And he raises it from where he would have hit Appy across the collarbone and across the midsection. He raises it. That three or four inches goes from Appy's collarbone 
up to Appy's chin, and that's what he gets. More so, like Braithen Astor has been saying on 360 ad nauseum for the last couple of nights, he looks Appy in the eye. Appy does not change height position when he's entering the tackle. He knows exactly where Appy's head is. And you've played enough football to know in those couple of milliseconds before a tackler makes contact with you, you know where their head is. You know if someone's coming low on your hip, you know if you, that you can lean down into them to try to bump them off, don't you? Yeah. And you also know where your elbow is. These things happen in, in split seconds, but you know where your elbow is. And you know if you wanted to hit that defender, you could just simply drop that elbow and whack it into their head, even if they're tackling low, but you don't do it. You don't because you've never been conditioned to do that. He knew exactly what he was doing, in my opinion, exactly what he was doing. 100%. And he knows, and he knows that it's a gray area. He can get away with it. Had he kept his arms pinned like Clemmer does by his side, he would have made contact straight across Appy's chest, maybe even across Appy's collarbone, but it was not, it was not chin. The moment he brought that up to, yeah, look, he didn't bring it up to try to whack Appy with a forearm UFC style, but he brought it away from his body so that his forearm was in line with Appy's head and the raising of that arm in the process meant that there was enough force by the time he did hit him to be able to do what happened. And, you know, the whole argument about Appy had poor um, technique is completely moot because Appy's not going to run at Tino's elbow if Tino's elbow stays in the same spot. Because he knows where Tino's elbow is and his forearm is. People aren't idiots. How many thousands of tackles, tens of thousands of tackles has Appy made in his whole life? A ball and all tackle exists for a reason. He's going to get his head in a position where it's supposed to be and it's relatively safe. Tino's not not early stages Tamalolo where he's late footwork, you don't know what he's doing. He's running straight at you. So he's positioned himself well. Tino has made that three or four inch change in his forearm in the last half second and brought it up in line with Appy's jaw. That's exactly what happened. And I I tell you, like, like um, again, I hate to bring up Bray, the fact that I agree with him on any topic for that matter is doing my head in. But for, for Tino to do what he did to read money, three weeks ago and then break up his jaw in two places and to not miss a single game for either of those instances is a joke. Yep. It's an absolute joke. Yep. And it's the people ridiculous. defending it have got absolutely no idea what they're talking about oh, because what they're, talk what they're talking about is a, is a running style that is a hundred percent legitimate and they're missing the half a percent that makes it wrong. It's the same way that putting a giant hit on somebody across the chest is good. Half a percent higher. You take someone's head off. That's the difference that we're talking about. And they've missed the point. It's the armchair footballers are the best ones that are doing that. Like Brent Reed is supporting it. Brent Reed is the stupidest. Like he's on the he, same level as fucking Boz, Buzz Rothfield, Rothfield, whatever that dickhead's name is. It's just, yeah, it, I just can't, I, I can't fathom nothing happened. But at the same time, it, yeah, I don't know. Like it, I could sit there and say that it's like, um, you know, there's certain players that get away scot free with shit, but I can't really. And I'll sit there and say it's always Queensland players, but then Blaise Kafusi got like four weeks before Origin, so can't really say that either. But, but yeah, so but yeah, it's definitely cost us 
six weeks, which is fantastic without our best player. And then add insult to injury. One of the guys that's starting to find a bit of form does his hamstrings. So another six weeks for half our spine, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a good night all around. Yeah. Wasn't it? And an all too familiar feeling for us. Um, Just deflating. Yeah. It's just very, very deflating. We've felt a lot of that over the years. Look, the Brooks hamstring, that's just bad luck. That happens. Yeah. Soft tissue injuries happen and, um, you know, chances are it would have happened anyway without the, the Appy one. But yeah, look, the Appy one stings so much because of the nature of it and then the injustice that seems to happen because powers that be have interpreted interpreted differently that a bloke that knocks people out cold and breaks jaws with his elbow running the ball is doing nothing wrong. That's the bottom line. This is How, how is it uh, any different Suwali getting four weeks for his knee? 100%. I said that last week. I said you can't raise an elbow into contact. You can't raise a knee into contact. But uh, yeah, no it is. It just is what it is. And yeah, I, look at the very least, um, at the very least, a one or two game, like a small one, like fine. If if it's contentious and you don't know a hundred percent, for me, the fine a couple of weeks ago was the warning. Yeah. It's funny because that wasn't the last time he did that in the game. He did it after he did it to Appy in the game. Really? And the other thing that, that oh, yeah. Yeah, he did it another couple of tackles afterwards. I remember blowing up at the, which I know that sounds a lot unlike me, Toby. Someone <laughs> made a blow up in a Tigers game. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, he did it not long after he broke Appy's jaw. Same thing. Just as high. I think he got someone... He got someone across the collarbone, then up into the neck. Because I remember him turning around, looking at the ref as in, is this okay? And then they just got on with it. Might have been Pole or Pole or Twal, I think, for some reason, rings a, a, a bell. But yeah, same thing. And those blokes aren't the shortest blokes in the world. So it's, yeah, that that's the bottom line. So for me, the match review committee has said, a bloke who knocks people out with his elbows, sorry, he knocks people out and breaks their jaws when he's carrying the football with his elbows, doesn't deserve time on the sideline. That's what they've said. And cool. So be it. So if that's the case this week, Paul, Polair, Clemmer, they can all start running and lifting their elbows into contact and there's no ramifications for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know there will be because it's us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's a- segue into Brooks. So talking was- talking about Brooks, the hand. Just about to say the same thing. Yeah. All right. Um, so for once, we're not going to hear you bang on about Brooks and how much you hate him. Um, but we might talk about, um, yeah, uh, unfortunate hamstring tear. So grade two hamstring tear, four to six weeks. He's had a, a, a small history of it. He's done it a, a couple of times, but it's not like it's been super regular. It's not, it's not like he has a set of Tommy Turbo hammies on him. Um, but we, um, are presented with or have been presented with a couple of articles this week saying Brooks rejects Tigers offer, will leave club at the end of the year. Now, there's not a whole lot of leaks out this year. They sort of only release what they want to be released. Um, and you generally hear it via Hadjapantelis, who likes the sound of his own voice. Um, and he's happy, more than happy to talk. It did not, it didn't sound to me like um, necessarily that he had said, regardless of the situation, I'm leaving. 
Uh, it sounded to me like the offer was rejected and it sounded like they put a, a deadline on him around wanting an answer by Sunday and that's why he made that decision. A few whispers around that North Queensland uh, are in having a little look at him. A little bit of talk about Canberra, but Madge is there and they didn't really see eye to eye in many ways, so I can't see that. But you can see it in some ways because Whiten's leaving. Some A whisper about the Roosters, a whisper about the Bulldogs. You don't really know. So um, for me... There's two questions. The first question is, do you think it's a little bit of a ruse considering his his manager is Isaac Moses, who has form in this area, who did the same thing with Mitchell Moses when he rejected Parramatta's offer originally? Do you think it's just a money grab and he'll, they'll come back to the club and we'll end up keeping Brooks on on a, a subsidised deal, but a little bit better than what we first offered him? Uh, or do you think he's long gone? And if that's the case, we'll, we'll talk about where we go from here. Personally, I think he's long gone. Personally, I think that he, I I think that he's kind of at that point. He's mature enough. He's got a young family. He's got that. He wants to not be the focal point anymore. He doesn't want to be the spotlight, doesn't want to be this, doesn't want to be that. And that's why I also don't think he'll stay in Sydney. I think that if he stays in Sydney, he's a... Uh, you just can't get away from the media. You go up to North Queensland, you go up and play under a coach that you won an under-20s grand final with, you have a very close relationship with, who you lobbied for to be the next coach when I think either Cleary left or maybe even prior to that. Um, yeah, it's just that... Um, yeah... He, I, I just think that he's had enough and he wants to break away from the spotlight. He wants to basically just play football and that's it. Um, and I think it's best for both clubs, uh, both parties. I mean, I think I've been calling for it for a while. I, you know, he's definitely starting to find form, definitely starting to be um, consistent most of the time. But. For me, it's just too little, too late. I think that if he goes somewhere else, I think he'll thrive. I think that he won't, like, depending on where he goes. I think if he goes to, um, like I said, up to North Queensland, he'll thrive because he won't be in the Sydney Fishbowl anymore. Um, and I think that he'll force our hand in realising, will force the... Brooks, you know, supporters in realizing that his his time had come and we needed to part ways. So uh, yeah, for, for my for my money, he's he's long gone. So, but yeah, like I could be wrong, but at the same time, yeah, that's just my my thoughts. What about you? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I flip and flop. I think one part of me thinks that he, he likely is. Um, I'm a bit surprised. Uh, if it is a renegotiation tactic, I'm a bit surprised that it, it's happened this way. Um, and I'm a bit surprised the talk about him planning to leave the Tigers has come out through a few media outlets. And so if that part of it is true, um, then I think that it's probably the case and he's, his manager's probably got a couple of offers or, or would-be offers for him ready to go elsewhere and he's made that call. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I I don't I was thinking about it. I don't think I'm as worried about um losing Luke Brooks as I am about replacing Luke Brooks. And I think those are two completely different arguments. Yeah. If you get what I'm saying. 100%. Um you know, for if we again we we'll look back to that Canberra game because it was a good example. Um the organization and um the setup of uh I guess sustained pressure, which can can and, and very often in our sport leads to points, was was very poor for a long part of that game. I think the roll on that we got in that time when they were down a man and and the ruck loosening up, um, I think Appy and a little bit of a, a a bump in momentum was the catalyst for that. And then he iced it really well when he put the field goal over. But then, then you look at what happened down the end when we had about 40 seconds to go when they were just running around loose. You know, it was a perfect analogy for Luke Brooks's career in many ways. You know, he has his moments and, but all too often, you know, had the opportunity then to run three props straight at the post and set himself up for a second field goal to tie it up. And they ran sideways and offloaded and, tried to do Harlem Globetrotter stuff and he didn't stand up and, and own that moment. And, um, so I really like Brooksy. Like, I really do. Um, I don't think there's any argument that he's not a good bloke. He's he's humble. He's quiet. Um, he doesn't whinge. He doesn't complain. He's copped it left, right and centre over his career. And you might say um, justifiably so in many ways. But... Um, yeah, I'd, I don't know. It, it, it It's complicated because he's come into form. And he's come into form in the last few months. And it's not a coincidence as much as Appy's been the centre point and him through the forwards have, have led a lot of that resurgence. Brooks, in many ways, has led to a lot of our points too. And he's the one that's been slicing opposition defensive lines wide open. He's one that's been making clean breaks. So um, to then turn around and and lose that is hard, but we've got to have long memories, I think in this situation. And yeah. Uh, Brooksy on the right deal is the right deal. Brooksy on another inflated deal. You know, if he, if he comes back and he wants eight fifty, or he can get 900, another club. I, get, I, I don't know if you sign him for that. Um, but you know, possibly you sign him for 800 to be honest. And it's not because he's worth 800. He keeps playing. He's certain like the way he is now, he's certainly worth 800, but I think it's just more the fact that, the market is so bare and the same way that houses are worth more than what their probably genuine value is worth these days, uh, particularly, you know, on the latest bump nationwide. And that's the same thing with this. So halves are as rare as hen's teeth. And you point me to someone out there that you can get to replace him and do at least a comparable job, much, much more about what he's been doing recently um, at a decent price. And, we just got nothing in that regard, and if we if we look seriously, if he if he is committed to walking away and he's made his mind up that he just wants to have somewhat of a fresh start for the next maybe four or five years of his career, I'd say if he plays to his early thirties, um, which is probably what he's got left, and he wants to try his hand for you know that period of time in a different club in a different setting and see what he can do under different environment and under a different environment, um, then. We currently have one half on our books for next year. And that half, I don't even know if he's gone in for his second ACL surgery, which is Dewey. And so 
best case scenario, if he even comes back at all, would be mid to late next year. And he's only signed for next year. And that's if he even comes back. And if he even comes back as a decent half. And we've spoken before about he's probably not even a 5'8". He's probably a centre or even these these days probably pushing into maybe rebranding himself as a lock if he can learn to tackle. So Wakeham's not signed for next year at this stage. I think if Brooks does go, it becomes a fake complete that Wakeham, at least we offer him, whether or not he might sign on or not. But that doesn't exactly fill you with excitement. And, you know, everybody's seen the... I really want to look at again, to be honest. Yeah, we got a bit of technical dick for the uh, people, just so you're aware. Not exactly sure what's going on Zach's end, so I'll just wait for him. Yeah, he had to cut in and out, man, really bad then. So I don't know where I lost you. What was that? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, yep. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Was that just at the end of that, was it? Yeah, you uh, were saying something about... Sorry about that, like, folks. Yeah, well, I was just pretty much rambling anyway. I was just saying that uh, Wakeham isn't re-signed at the minute. And um, if Brooks leaves, then it's... Wakeham might get offered something and he may not even accept it. So at the moment, for the start of next year, considering Dewey's going to be out, if he even comes back, we've got no halves. None signed oh, at the moment. We're, we're so doing New South Wales Cup. It puts us in a predicament. Yes. So, uh, other than Will Smith, who is only on a 12-month, who also isn't signed for next year, can you name our New South Wales halves or another half in New South Wales Cup? Oh, Tristan Riley. How good is he? <laughs> He's a centre. <laughs> no, but... Yeah. That's that's yeah. the joy. So, yeah. 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 So... <laughs> Yeah, still having more technical difficulties, guys. I don't know what's going on on his end. Really don't. It's jumping in and out. No. Yeah, lost you again, mate. Still, you still have you got me now? Or yeah, I got you now. Sorry, folks. I don't know what's happening this evening. Um, I don't have any any issues from my end in terms of what I'm. <laughs> Yeah, we keep losing him on this end. So I've got perfect signal. So, yeah, it's definitely not me. So we might have to do a very quick end to this. Sorry about this, guys. Um, not exactly sure what's going on on his end. But, look, at the end of the day, I can keep talking. I've got a pretty bloody good voice. So let's just keep going. Um, talk about the upcoming game against Melbourne. So we've got Melbourne at Campbelltown on third Saturday, Saturday at 5.30. Uh, so it's another home game. I think it's our last Campbelltown game of the year. Um, and it's against a pretty depleted Storm outfit, but it's still the Storm. So I'll get the team list up here and I'll have a bit of a chat about that. Um, it's still the Storm and you can never count them out. They've already beat us once this year. But look, we've we knocked down the Panthers. Um, we took South to the line. You know, we've put sixty six points on the Cowboys. You know, there's we know what we can do. It's just putting those 
the word I'm looking for? Putting just putting everything together that we've been working on. So, you know, few changes now that uh, Brooks is injured, Appy's injured, Steph's on New South Wales duty, and some centre decided to play like crap on the weekend, and so he's dropped to the bench. So, wonder our back five are obviously Buller at fullback. Noffa and Tupo on the wings. Uh, the center pairing has completely changed. So we've got Naden and uh, Kapoa in the centers. Very, very strange one in uh, Stafford Tor playing at 5'8". Uh, Brandon Wakem playing at halfback. Um, with Steph on duty, we've got Pole, Simkin and Klemmer. Um, Papali'i, uh, Bloor and Bateman is your back row. We've got Talon De Silva, which is exciting, exciting to make his debut off the bench. Tommy Talao drops the interchange bench and Twal and Saifaf make out the interchange. But looks like we might have Zach back on the line. Do we? Hello, everybody. Can you hear me? <laughs> I was just talking. I was just taking, too soon. I was taking our listeners through... Uh, the one to 17. So we've already gone through them. You can go through the reserves if you want to, but I can just finish it out. Now you finish it out, mate. You're doing a good job. Ah, oh, thanks, mate. Hey, I'll you keep doing this, mate. You might, you might get a hosting gig next week. Yeah, I know. Right. What the hell? Well, especially if your internet keeps playing up. Um, I maintain then, it's yours, but anyway, play on. Uh, well, I'm the one recording, so it's my, it's yours. <laughs> um, play on. So we got reserves, Will Smith, Matamua, Asatasi James, Brandon Mansfield, and uh, good old Tristan Riley. So, yeah. And then you've got Further Storm, the big ones out are obviously um, Munsters on Orange and Judy. Uh, I find it very interesting that Garlic uh, starts and wish shots on the end for Grant, but that's is what it is. Um, and Welsh is uh, suspended, but. Not a bad substitution in the prop in, uh, you know, Nelson. So, mm. yeah, it's it's going to be a... Oh, shit. I didn't know Kane Bradley went down to Melbourne. Last I thought he was in at Cowboys. He's a former Tiger himself. Um, yeah, he is. But, yeah, like it's... I was just saying before, Zach, to our faithful listeners that it is still the storm. Whether it's depleted storm or not, it's still the storm. Uh, we're missing our big guns, and um, but we know what we can do. I mean, we put sixty six on the Cowboys. We took the Rabbitohs to the the final ten fifteen, uh, final five ten minutes. We beat the Panthers. Um, we, we should have beaten Canberra. Should have beaten Canberra. Um, yeah, we know what we can do. It's just more doing it without our key player in Appy is the big one for me, but I'm super excited to see what De Silva's like, to be honest. Yeah. So for those that um, aren't aware, De Silva's 18 years of old, of age, uh, played SG ball this year, made his flag debut, they uh, scored on debut in flag. And I'm relatively certain it was his New South Wales cup debut um, this week, just gone too. And he scored on debut in his New South Wales cup debut. So, I have to double check that that was um, the right dates that I've got. So young up and coming hooker. Uh, he's an absolute weapon, but he is young. He's a, he's a young kid. So he'll get a few minutes there off the bench. Are you hearing me all right this time? Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. Good. All right, good. Just double checking. 
Um, yeah, so keep an eye out for Talander Silver because he's going to be uh, in our system for a long time. Well, hopefully he should be in for a long time, but he is the heir apparent to Appy. Um, and, yeah, he'll be the bloke to take over um, in two or three years' time when Appy, if Appy doesn't kick on himself. But, yeah, he's a special one. He, as far as I'm concerned, from everything I've seen, everything I've read, um, we've all been pretty darn impressed with Buller. This kid is better at his position than Buller by a long way. Um, he's more of a standout. He's more of a game changer. So it'd be interesting to see. Like I said, he's 18 years of age. Buller himself is 21. So it will take time. But it'd be good to see another glimpse of, um, I guess, the future, so to, be, so to say. 100%. 100%. The bench, mate. Um, what do you make of that bench? I read it and after I sort of threw up my mouth a little bit, I... Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I started to try to digest it. Um, the, the bench, not not what I mentioned, but yeah. so Tommy Talia, Talon, we're excited about. Um, Safarth and Twal. Twal is a mainstay. He's he's been improved this year. Um, he's playing pretty well in that uh, that prop position. We know what we get with Seafarth, which is not much. He makes his tackles at least this year. He hasn't been dropping too many footies and giving away too many penalties. Touch wood. Um, but the choice of Tommy Talia, mate. I mean, fair dinkum. How much harder could he have tried to get dropped? It's ridiculous. I don't get it. And it's not like there's no there's no one banging on the door. It's not like, you know, last year where we were just like, oh, God, we just have to deal with them because we've got nothing else. There was a lot of players that can take that role. I just don't get it. But it's- what's he there for? Like, like, what's he there for? He's not utility. He can't play centre. And he hasn't played, there was talk of him possibly playing second row in the preseason and he hasn't played second row all year. So he's not a second row either. So, you know, what's the plan? To put him on halfway through the game and put Kapoa into the into the second row? I'd, it just it's it just smacks of just Sheen's nonsense again, which is this multi-positional players, jack of all trades, master of none. And so it's the reason that Moses Mboy is an average, uh, you know, an average player. He can never nail down a spot. But then Tommy Talia's awful to boot. You know, if you're going to pick a second row on the bench, pick a second rower. If you need a, another prop, we've only got one prop in some ways, whether you're playing Seafarth or prop, I suppose they are. So if you're playing a second row on the bench and that's your plan with Tommy Talia, then play Mansfield, who you signed up on a development contract. Um, you know who's who's a second rower. Play um, play Matamua, who yeah. set up a try for Talon to Silver on the weekend and, and shredded a team up the middle. Who's coming along? Played. He's already made his debut. You know, been talking about him for a while. Play him off the bench for a few minutes. You know, I some of these decisions, I just generally speaking, you can not agree with decisions, but you can understand why. Choosing to, Tommy Talia, not only just because he's Tommy Talia, um, and it just is a poor fit, but the game he had on the weekend was just atrocious. I don't know if we've mentioned that a thousand times yet, or yeah, not, but we have. We mentioned, we mentioned the four errors. We mentioned the reads he did in defence. The mentioned the fact that he stayed wide when Brooks got sucked in, which just led to the most simple of tries. We mentioned the fact that he came up on Brimson, hit him, and then just got knocked away. Uh, didn't hit and stick. So basically ineffective, then Brinson kicks for Campbell to score. You know, it's... He was just so bad for him, unfortunately. You know, I was a big fan of his early days and the potential was supposed to be there. And at a certain point, when someone stops showing 
any form of promise. You throw them on the scrap heap. Yeah. Like, how long did it take the Roosters to throw Sam Walker on the scrap heap? Exactly. Not very long. And he's 20. You know, yeah. so the yeah, the fact that the fact that Talao is on the bench is just it's ridiculous. You know, get him back in in Reggie's if you still believe in him. Get him back in Reggie's and make him play center and give him individual things to work on until he improves. And if he doesn't improve, then fucking leave him there. Otherwise, if he's going to Manly, fuck him off to Manly. Well, and, if he's already, anyway, fucking, it's just frustrating. If he's already going to Manly, like just get a fucking. Get a like a swap in. Just say, look, he's not working out. Let's just you know get a swap in. Let's get fucking. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to look at their list now. You know, you just bring Woods back. Who cares? Better than what Talia. Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Too far. Whoa. Too far. Okay. Whoa. Look, I know we've been a bit burnt after that game last week, mate. But just pump the brakes, champion. All right. Let's not let's not get too crazy here. Just all I'm saying is get rid of him. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the game. Uh, um, so yeah, we've got Melbourne at Campbelltown. So fortunately, is at Campbelltown. We don't have the best record there. We don't have the best record anywhere lately. Uh, yeah. So not that it really matters, but it would be good to be in front of a home crowd or be that people don't get down to Campbelltown as much as what they do like out, which is unfortunate. But tough game, tough side. Uh, obviously, they're they're very depleted. Their threats are. Uh, what are you thinking, Jerome Hughes, Nick Meany? Yeah, I think the I don't know what it is. Nick Meany's an AJ Brimson. He's another player that just seems to turn it on when he plays us. Um, like I think I think Hughes is always a threat. Um, but yeah, the the thing that. He's named 18th man, but he probably will start is Justin Orm. He just uh, he just always scares me when he runs the football. He always looks like he's either gonna hurt you or are gonna pass and create something. And he's so he's like um Marshawn Lynch close to the line. Just impossible to stop. So anyone that doesn't know. So is he coming back from injury? Is that why he's is that why he's in the extended squad? Uh head knock, I think. I think he was Okay. Think it was a head knock. Yeah, right. You think you think that if he was returning from a head knock, they'd name. Yeah, true. That's what made me question it. Him and then give him the opportunity to pass. So, yeah. So I actually don't. I don't know that. Know that he'll play. I think their forward pack is actually looking reasonably strong this year. Yep. Yeah, Nelson. So they got they got Nelson and um, is it Kamakamika as the other prop? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they got Garlic, who is a decent little goer. In Lord, hooker, they got Lord uh, Laero. Laero actually, Lord and Liero. Yeah, Liero. Um, when they played the Cowboys, he had an absolute shocker. So I drive a lot of traffic yeah, towards right. him. So mm. yeah, I'm actually quite surprised for a Bellamy team. He's not a bad player though. He's yeah. one of those sort of young up and coming. Mm. So. Yeah, right. You probably have a blind and you said that. Yeah, I did the yeah. same thing last. Um, but their back line it looks a little bit clunky these days without without the big um the big hitters. So um who they got in five eighth again? I read it earlier Jonah today. Pez, Jonah Pezzett. That's right. They got they got Pezzett, who last time last time we played in Melbourne, he, he played. Mm, he did, yeah, because if you recall because uh, um it Hughes was Hughes who was out. Hughes was out, yeah. 
Hughes was out. Munster came back with his broken finger, if you remember. That's right. Yeah. Why always happen to us? Yeah, Pezzett played quite well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, good. He's a good player. He's he's a good he's quite yeah. a good player going to Pezzett. So yeah, look, they obviously is no Cameron Munster, but yeah, he's a good good young um fella. I'd love love to sign him if he didn't just extend with a hit with a storm. So yeah, yeah. Um I'm really surprised. Yeah, look both both halves have a good tough game. Years, uh, how do you see so. you play now? Yeah, I know it is surprising, and I'm assuming it's just there to learn off off each of them. Uh, because he won't be getting a start in that side for five years minimum regularly. So I would imagine that um, he's not going to play out his career there. Because what's Cam Munster, 28, 29, I think? Yeah, something like that. And I think, don't think Hughes is and you, and Hughes is 26, 27, I think. So they've still got three, four, five years left, each of them, and, and they're not unseating themselves. So, yeah, yeah I, I'd say that he will probably end up somewhere else. He's too good not to in many ways. Hmm. So how do you see the game? Uh, playing out, mate. Playing out. Um, yeah, you know, third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. I think we're going to win, but I think we're going to win tight. I think it's going to be twenty-two to sixteen. So, you know, third time's a charm. It'll be a third week in a row of quarters for a win. Okay. So, but yeah. What about yourself? I'm, I'm going to call Golden Point 18 all. But who wins? Fuck. Melbourne. Fuck you. I'm going to. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to say we're losing Golden Point, and it just doubles down the heartache at the moment. Um. Yeah. Mm. But that being said, I think we're going to be competitive. I don't know what to make of Stafford Toa at five eight. It's, an, it's another decision where I'm like, yeah, sure, I guess so, but he's just. He's in career best form in the centres, and so what do they do? They move him out of the centres. Well, they did the Good same point. thing to Chrissy Lawrence. Remember, it's another Sheen's move. Yeah. Sheen's just yep. If you're flop, yeah, not if a you're powerful and strong. So he tries to make. You know what he tries to do? He tries to. He tries to make everyone into Laurie Daly. That's right. Forgetting they don't have Ricky Stewart inside of them. That's what he tries to do. Big, strong running centres make him into a running five eight. I don't rate running five eights in general. I think they're one dimensional. Anyway, story for another day, mate. You got a bold prediction for us? Uh, apart from the average of twelve actually crossing, um, I actually think this is my bold prediction. I think Toll is going to shine in the halves. I okay. I was watching him when he moved there um, when Brooks went off, and he was very vocal, very vocal, telling people where to go, what to do. Um, I think he's going to be good at the halves. I think he's going to be a good replacement. Oh, good. Well, he played a bit of fullback and he was, he was okay. Um, so hopefully with his newfound, his newfound confidence and, and way he's playing, because we've both been wrapped with how he's, he's been going in the centres, that he can do a job there. It would be good. Puts a lot of pressure on Wakem. Does. and With his kicking game. Yeah. I don't know that Toa, I don't know that Toa can kick, so we'll have to see how we go. We are in... We're in dire straits in that regard, though, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We are. So it's very likely they'll just continually put pressure on Wakem. Um, but maybe that maybe that means that you know they'll take a lot of. Yeah, you know, we know Jakey can have a bit of a kick behind him, so maybe they just won't watch much of what Jake does. Yeah. So that'd be good. Yeah, I'd like us to play. I'd like us just play super direct. Yeah. Uh, play the power game up the middle. Just play to our strengths. Really lean into it as best we can. Um, and, 
and just try to, yeah, as you said, grind out a low-scoring game. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be running too many trick plays or anything too fancy. I think we just – we compete, we compete, um, and, yeah, just try to grind them into the dust as best we can because once – in some ways, once Nelson and Kamakamika come off, uh, I don't know that they're going to have the same punch to be sustained. But then again, I guess you have a look at our bench and we're the same. So, yeah, um, yeah, interesting. My bold, my bold prediction is golden point match. So, yeah, um, I'm going to leave it with that. And, um, yeah, I, I, my head says Melbourne will get it, but I'd like to say Brandon Wakeham slots it, or even better, Stafford Tower slots one. Here's, a, that here's another thing too. If we lose again... There is a high probability we our next game we're going to be in in Stanthorpe again, and if we win that game, we're going to have to move. We're moving. We're, we're moving. moving, to, we're moving to <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, we we'll have to wait and see. So we'll uh, put in a good um, a good preview of that one because that's against the Cowboys again. Yeah. yeah, which is which is the ironic. So. All right, guys. Um, thanks for listening again this evening. Uh, we've got Saturday night, 7.30, 7.35, is that right? Oh, 7.30. Stadium against the Storm. 7.30 on Saturday, yep. So if you're in the local area down near Campbelltown, get out there. We've been talking about getting uh, the crowds up as best we can, so get out and support the boys. Uh, public service announcement is that we always say every single week, get on the Facebook page, Tiger Town Podcast, YouTube cha- channel by the same name. If you're not already there, like and subscribe. Send us messages, comment on the videos, all that sort of stuff. We love it. Uh, uh, the podcast, the boys that do it better than us. There's two of them, Westlife Podcast and the West Tigers Podcast. Get onto their, uh, their respective podcasts on Spotify or YouTube, wherever you find those two pods and tell them who sent you. Tell them we sent you. A bit, a bit of love back our way a little bit, I think. We we pump up the tyres of these boys often enough. Uh, other than that, mate, um, we're in a bit of a flat spill again, but we keep, keep uh, throwing the Tigers jersey on, throwing the Tigers beanie on and keep marching forward in the year and things will turn, mate, won't they? Yes. Yes, let's uh, let, let's hope that, you know, this is just uh, a blip on the radar, a blip on the radar. So I'll take that pause as you just building up enough steam to be able to give me one hell of a uh, go the Tigers. Go the Tigers.